everybody welcome to the 249th edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rip city and i got my man sage and it has been a long time we shouldn't have left you without a strong rhyme to step to step two Ooh, is that, that was a little eric being rakim right wasn't it you know i give myself a little bit of flexibility i could have flipped it and then talked about you know I spit for it, rhyme for it, back out the nine and committed homicide for it. If I'm handcuffed with the right to remain silent for it, I'm a blow trial and do federal time for it. You, you, you jumped on the rock him. It's been a long time. So I, yes, I, I, that's, that, that's one of my top five hip hop albums of all time. Paid in full. All right. Well, let's, let's screw basketball. What's your other four? Other four. So during the pandemic, there were a lot of, Obviously, there are memes going around, but clearly uh, even more during the pandemic. And there's one where it's it's Bill Clinton and he's holding like four to five records mm-hmm. um, on the on the ground. It's like it really made you think, OK, if I do this, which ones are am I going to choose? Like if I could only listen to like five hip hop records, what do I want? So I've got Paid in Full by Eric B. and Rakim. I chose I had to have an Outcast album. So I went with AT Aliens. Had to be a tribe tribe album, so I went with Low End Theory, but you could also go Midnight Marauders. I think they're both like one A, one one B. Really, not much of a preference, but I went with Low End Theory. Have to have Kendrick. Kendrick's probably my favorite artist. So, and his my his favorite, his best work I think is Good Kid, Mad City. Like I can listen to that front to back. All all the skits, the storytelling is fantastic, and then. A semi-recent one. Well, I think within it's in in the same time lapse as as Good Kid, Mad City, but Run the Jewels too. Uh, the way Killer Mike and LP, their chemistry with one another, the beat switches, uh, just the rhymes, it's fantastic. So that that would be my five. What about you? So, I think Run the Jewels two was my favorite. This is going to sound very old hip hop head and. I've had this discussion with people and they think I am. I felt like four was just a lot of loud music to be loud and loud. It was, I, I thought it, it was my least favorite. Cause I thought it was, was like, this is just loud to be loud. dog. I, I, I don't fuck with this shit as much. I'm fine. I'm finally turning into that. Old. Hey, you've been that. You've been that dude. <laughs> Are you like, yeah, we met when I was 21, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. I was that then. Yeah, you were, you've always been an old soul. I, what I tell people, I'm still willing to learn, but when it comes to hip hop, I'm a very old head. So let me run through my old head list of top five. Cannabis Rip the Jacker is always going to be there. I know you're going to have a tribe album. I don't know if I would. Okay, I think okay. Outcast. I would have an I, Outcast. I knew you would have one of those two. So which Outcast album? I think AT Aliens. Okay. So we, we, we matched there. Hmm. Disposable Arts by Master Ace because I think that's a perfect uh, album. Um, hmm. I'm 
I think Paidenful I can always listen to, and then hmm. I know you like Chaos a lot. I love Chaos, and I, I was trying to think of a record that I love. It, it was either between Yes by Chaos or uh, Yeah, I, I would go Yes by Chaos. Like I'm a, the Chaos thing is definitely the one like weird. Well, Cannabis is obviously weird, but like it's very old head. And then I'll listen to something that makes me happy because. <laughs> pandemic sage listened to nothing but cool g rap like he was he was upset he was listening to some shit he was listening to some shit like it, it, go listen to some some crime pays or four five six by cool g rap and feel some anger like that was my shit during the pandemic but uh I don't know if people are really here to listen to us talk about hip hop. I think there's another subject matter that you and I are both very passionate about that we 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 should talk about on the Holy Backboard podcast. I mean, but at least hip hop, it can disappoint you. But there are so many other outlets that you can go to if if something does disappoint you. <laughs> Doc, when, when I've you been a are... cannabis fan since '98. I have been disappointed. <laughs> Okay, been, but if, if cannabis lets you down, oh, let's just go bump some outcast. <clears throat> Eric B and Rakim's always gonna pop with the Blazers. Oh, I take that to heart. So I, I can't believe that the season just wrapped. You know, shout out to the Bucks, Giannis, Chris, Drew for getting that that ring. Fantastic finals. But the fact that it's July 21 and we are not even 24 hours removed from the end of the season, it feels like the Blazers have had four or five off seasons already. And it it's felt so long. I, I watched uh, Rob Perez on Twitter, Worldwide Wob, put together a 10-minute clip of the entire season of all of the NBA antics that went down from the opening John Wall and Russell Westbrook trade, which, yes, that happened this season, to... Giannis becoming finals MVP like it spanned the entirety of the season and I was like oh I forgot that happened oh that happened to oh yeah Dame hit the game winner against Chicago oh yeah he and Steph traded half court buckets at the all-star game so many things felt like they have been eons ago because of how upsetting and disappointing it's already been for the Blazers after they have been eliminated from the first round against the Denver Nuggets. I mean, Sage, we always talked. And I I feel like we are ahead of the curve on when it comes to the pulse of the team. I think it's just because of how we approach it. You're in it daily looking for, you know, the, the latest news, what players are performing well. I come at it from, you know, historical context, maybe more uh, passionate, uh, less, less objective, but the two of us together, we, we knew that something was brewing in Portland and, and it could have been delicious or it could have been, uh, you know, soiled and sour. The Blazers had so much pressure on them this season and it kind of reached a, a tipping point when they lost to the Denver Nuggets. And I would say probably even in game five when Dame put up, what, 55, something like that. And we still lost in double overtime, you know, immediately after. Terry Stotts is fired. We have players who are saying they don't want to come back. we got players who are on, you know, they're either free agents this year or they're going to be free agents next year. Neil O'Shea is going out. 
lying to the public um, about how they conducted the search. Bringing in 25. Quote, quote unquote, 25 candidates. Um, you've got Damian Lillard talking to Chris Haynes about who he likes, then, then backtracking and saying, hey, I didn't know that these two candidates had convictions or allegations. And then you've got Jody Allen reportedly going for Becky Hammond, but ultimately every it was the worst kept secret in basketball. Everybody knew that just because Chauncey Billups played one season with the Clippers while Neil O'Shea was with the Clippers, that that's who he wanted. Mm-hmm. You know, anything else be damned. One year uh, assistant coaching experience when there were in the weird second weirdest year ever. In the second weirdest year ever. When there were a plethora of just outstanding candidates, Sage, I can't remember the okay. last time your number one and two person is still not a head coach. Your number one or two person is still not a head coach either. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm actually. Ime was my one, so really, yeah, I loved Ime, and I thought he would have been fantastic. But either way, Celtic, yo, Celtics killed it. Damon Stoudemire, Ime Udoka, Aaron Miles. I mean, they, they're building a good Bucks, culture there. The Bucks Boston. coaching staff, if everything stays the same, I think is going to be to the top one. <laughs> exactly. And for Portland to go out, and if we're just talking basketball reasons only, and that would be so wonderful, Sage, if we could just talk basketball reasons only, there still would be a lot of questions about Chauncey Billups because – Yes, he was a finals MVP. Yes, he was the point guard. But so many, being a player doesn't automatically transition you into a head coach. I've seen my beloved Terry Porter kind of, you know, he stubbed his toe in Milwaukee, stubbed his toe in Phoenix, couldn't get it done at the University of Portland, and is probably out of coaching for for good. At least you see. Yeah. Then, Then you see Nate McMillan, who rose through the ranks in Seattle, took Portland to a 54-win team, then kind of was out of out of the league, really out of the consideration. Lloyd Pierce gets fired, he adjusts, he adapts, and now he is a hot coaching prospect. And he was rewarded with a long-term deal in Atlanta. I mean, so just because he is a player, just because he had a certain, you know, gravitas, gravitas on the floor doesn't mean that's going to translate you know portland did the same thing when they moved on from mike dunleavy they, they went out and they got maurice cheeks maurice cheeks was a just not a good head coach like he couldn't get that bunch to kind of buy in and within two years we were the worst franchise in the league so most, you know, your most memorable thing is him helping out the, the, the Natalie girl. Gilbert yeah. national anthem game three of the first round. Yep. And against the Dallas Mavericks and Jason Kidd is another example. Like he has had multiple stops as a head coach, great point guard hall of fame, you know, d- defense court vision, leadership, everything you'd want on the floor. Apparently, you know, you're, you're starting to read some of these excerpts from uh, an upcoming book about Giannis dude was a fucking mind freak and you know, have fun with that Dallas Portland fans were saying anybody, but two guys, no Jason kid and, and no Chauncey Billups. And you have to now with Billups, not only take him for his basketball, I would say 
resume, but, you know, the extra baggage that comes along with it. And I, I know a lot of fans are, you know, throwing out words when discussing Chauncey. I, I won't just because I wasn't there. I think there's probably a five, five to six people really know what happened. You and I have read to not be one of them. Yeah. I, I've read the reports. It doesn't sound good. I, I will fully admit that. And my hurdle that I'm probably not going to be able to overcome when it comes to this hire, to be, to be honest. And one of the reasons why I really haven't felt like recording at all is when you have somebody with those type of allegations, it makes it really hard for people who were victims of domestic Mm -hmm. violence and sexual abuse to turn and tune into a game. You know, maybe they, they do that to escape reality and through this hiring process, probably through, through the, the, the next few seasons, when he is the head coach, they're now going to have to relive that whether they want to or not unintentionally or intentionally. And I just don't think that's fair. I also don't believe that if you have those types of allegations against you, that you should be put in such a prominent, invisible position of power and leadership as a head coach of a franchise. Yes, Damian Lillard is the most popular man in the city, but the head coach is probably the most accessible. You know, he's going to be out at all the events. He's he's the, he is the face of your franchise, and that that's just sending a wrong message. And that's what I told my ticket rep. You know, I I couldn't in good faith spend any money on this franchise. You know, I was really excited to go half season tickets with you and Olga. And I was like, I just felt it. Like, even if I wanted to, like my, my mind is like, Nope, this just does not feel right. And I don't blame the players. Nothing they can do. I mean, they're, they're, they're a bunch of good guys as well. So it's kind of putting you in a pickle, but I I really felt that, you know, this just isn't it for me. And it was Thankfully, the ticket rep I worked with was very kind and courteous and processed that refund. And, you know, who knows? But what has been left in the aftermath of the Neil Olshay hiring saga has been, you know, a lot of, I think, a lot of fans, I think, are experiencing, you know, heartache, detachment. Um, I know I am. Um, I want to shout out uh, Tara Biggs. She is a co-host of the We Have a Take podcast that that you were just on. So Mm -hmm. if you haven't listened to the last one, I highly encourage our listeners to do so. But when we had Tara on a few years ago, when she was doing her her woman's um, hoops and talks groups, uh, the the what uh, Facebook group, you know, they would have watch parties. You know, she, you know, courteously invited both me and you into that group Mm -hmm. as males, as in, into their, I think, safe space, you know, where, where, where women can talk basketball free of judgment. And I've honestly felt that has been the best space for me to check up on, um, you know, what's, what's the discourse, how, you know, what is the, the pulse of, of, of those fans and, you know, really having similar feelings. And so, you know, just wanted to thank Tara for that. Um, people sharing letters that they sent to their ticket reps or, you know, how they're feeling as well. So that that's kind of been like how I've been getting my, my blazer kind of fixed. And that's another thing that I think is important to 
to kind of look at and and meet because you you mentioned the the pandemic and listening to a lot of cool G rap, even when the Blazers and the entire NBA was kind of on hiatus, you know, what got me through the pandemic was I made a spreadsheet of every Blazer playoff game that was available on YouTube, you know, basketball reference box score, how many times I've watched it is the YouTube link active. Like I I watched a ton of those and it was like, okay, tonight I'm going to watch the Western conference finals from 92 game game two. And I would watch the series. And then once the, the season came back, it was like, okay, now I can focus on, you know, what free agents are we going to get? Are we going to make a run in the bubble? And that really helps having that escape to reality mm-hmm. when you've got wildfires going on in your backyard, you've got a, a pandemic, you've got a stressful presidential election. I mean, X, Y, and Z, you name it. Like we've, we as a collective society have been hit with haymaker after haymaker after haymaker and the fact that we're all standing it is pretty fucking incredible because I, I i don't know if i've processed everything that's happened since you know the spring of of 2020 and you know a reason why is basketball the blazers whether it's this podcast with you sage or you know i'm texting my mom after you know uh, a big win or a crushing defeat um thinking about you know trades that we can make that's really hard that that's now not as accessible for me because I, I just, I feel detached. So mm-hmm. I want to thank you as well, because I, not once did you pressure me even ask like, Hey, are we going to podcast? What, what are we going to do? It was just like, give me my space. And, you know, I, I finally felt ready to kind of articulate how I've been feeling over the past. I mean, God, it's been about a month now and it's, it's been just, a giant shit show and it sucks because it's such a large part of my life. I know it's a large part of our listeners' lives. It's in some ways I tried to tell myself it's just a stupid game, but in other ways it it does so much more for uh, a lot of people. So finding that fine line of, okay, I want to support the players, but man, can you little shade just kick fucking rocks? I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. So, I mean, to talk about me not guilt trip, well, I did guilt trip you on the uh, Women's Hops and Talks podcast, and I made it very clear that I was guilt tripping you. But, you know, when we're doing podcasts or any of this type of art mixed with technical, you have to edit it, you have to do a lot of stuff to it. You need somebody that you can trust in the trenches with you. So, it was be patient with you or have to do everything on my own. And I would much rather be in the trenches with you than try and do all of this shit myself. So I gave you that time because we did communicate and I was like, okay, he isn't feeling it. I'm not even going to push it. I'm just going to chill. Cause I knew eventually you were going to either tell me to fuck off or let's record. So, I mean, like, it wasn't like there was a mystery to it. It was just a waiting game. It was just like, okay, I have to outweigh him but I'm going to take these times when I'm in the public eye, like in Tara's podcast and be like, I'm just going to let him know that I want to do this, but not make it so abundantly clear that I want to do this. But you know, like the blazers, what I talked about, you know, all of this other stuff. And then I ended it with like a plea to dust. I'm like, you know, I'm going to continue to do this. I think that you and I have a wonderful chemistry. And I think one of the, 
best things that we have is that you and I can disagree on something and then it wouldn't go anywhere further because, you know, we're two passionate men talking about a subject, but we have a mutual respect. So I waited for you and I waited for you. And then you reached out to me after, you know, this is when you're ready. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's get to it. Cause I think that just because we're so mad at what is happening with ownership and general managership, the people that listen to us every, every week, I didn't want to take this away from them as well. We get messages saying you brighten our week. You've, you've helped me learn about the game I love. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to be premature in taking that away. And I, I, you know, I'm disgusted with what the Blazers have done. Like they know they fucked up when they released who's going to be the head coach during the hottest weekend of the year at 10 PM on a Friday night. I'm not a social media mogul like you, but even I know that they fucked up if their big announcement is at the worst possible time of the, of the summer. That was the news dump of all news dumps. Like, dog, you you know, like, if you're releasing something at 10 p.m., either you just finished it and want to get that shit out ASAP, but this this wasn't a decision that needed to be timely. They could have waited and be like, this is Chauncey Billups. This is going to be the head coach for the next five years at a at an appropriate time. But they didn't. They waited till everyone was asleep or pissed off at how hot it was. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that this this definitely made me more disinterested in the the like the, the team as like the management. I still love the players. How I felt is like it's just the biggest middle finger to you to women and survivors of domestic violence. Just the biggest f you. We don't care about you. And that 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 makes me incredibly sad to to see and see pe- women in the what group talk about their struggles with with many different aspects. And it's just like y'all y'all took this safe space from these these people, and that's just outrageously fucked up. And just because we've been born and lived in this area for such a long time and had a had a strong love for a franchise for that safe space to be taken away from those people is just so, so unfortunate and so fucked up on so many different levels. Even if Chauncey Billups didn't have the hangups in his personal life, where did he rank for you in coaches that you would be willing to have coached the team? Was he high without all the extra baggage on your list? I would say I obviously I was, we had a, a podcast our most a, a month ago, a month ago. We both liked Charles Lee from Milwaukee. Uh, we both liked Becky Hammond from the, the Spurs. Ime Yudoka was my number one uh, just because <clears throat> he had worked for pop. He had worked in Philly. And now he's learning in Brooklyn, Portland roots, former player. Uh, I thought it would have been just a fantastic um, homecoming of sorts before he pulled out Juwan Howard was in my top five. I think he has NBA material written all over him coming from the Miami heat culture, former player. He's already getting it done at the college level and not just wins and losses. Like I specifically watched games where he is drawing up wide open shots for, for his team. Like you can tell 
he's he has that that intellect. Um, I liked Jay Wright from Villanova. Um, I saw a little bit of Brad Stevens in him. I know it's risky to take a college coach, but when you have that much success and you're not getting the cream of the crop recruits, um, just as Stevens was at Butler, um, and he was putting out NBA caliber prospects year after year. So yeah, like Sadiq Bay does he Sadiq Bay shouldn't be as good as he is. Jay Wright's coaching. So who besides Kyle Lowry? Is there any blue chip Villanova prospect that you can think of? Like Sadiq, Josh Hart are all Mikel Bridges. Oh yeah, Mikel's gonna make a hundred million. But like Eric, Eric Pascal, you know, um, the only one that was a first round pick recently that flopped was Omari Spellman. And he's still on the rosters. I know he's still in the NBA, which is good for him. So I think though those college coaches with the creativity. One thing that I've learned from doing those two articles about Charles Lee and Will Weaver, it's who you know that will give you those opportunities. Will Weaver knew Sam Hinkie. Charles Lee knew Bud. Chauncey Billups knew Neil O'Shea, and that was his in. The relationship building is really important if you're trying to get into sports where, like, it's kind of that old boys club where, oh, I know Chauncey. He's going to do this, that, and what be my yes man essentially i was also uh when it was reported i i don't think there was really any significant interest it was more of i think a pr piece but don staley uh olympian women's head coach for the usa national team uh head coach at south carolina has that program humming coached asia wilson um who is you know basically the mvp of of the WNBA. i i love her mind she's, she's a brilliant point guard and I like coaches that can come in and their programs pick up immediately. Like that is the sign of a true leader. And then lastly, we haven't even, t- Mike D'Antoni was there for the picking. So if you wanted somebody who was tried and true, really close to getting to the finish line, but maybe just needed another opportunity. I mean, look what he did with James Harden and Steve Nash. That would have been the perfect pairing especially with Damian Lillard, if he could have found some defensive minded assistance there, there was just say, that's why I'm just like so frustrated because one, it was so avoidable, but two, the cup was overflowing with incredible candidates more than I have seen in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, again. So not, not even in my top five. I, I'm, here, here's my deal. I could have done 20 articles about head coaches could have found the three things that quotes uh, and the, the players that were improved from this coach's stay on the team. I could have done it easily, but I felt would have felt like, I don't really know. We don't really know Chauncey Billups started out in coaching the second weirdest year in the NBA history. One of the things that I would really like to know, and this this is something that I've learned from Monty Williams. Some players want to be coached. Some players need to be taught. Where does Chauncey Phillips, what, what is he? I think that there are some coaches that depend on the scenario to be good. Monty Williams can take a really bad team and get wins out of it. Alvin Gentry needs his stars to be healthy to conduct his scheme. 
what does Chauncey Billups do that is so great? We don't know. And if you say that you do know, you either aren't a fan of the Blazers and watch the Clippers all the time, or you're lying. I knew Charles Lee because he applied to be the Pelicans head coach. From what I heard, he was talking to coaches about being his lead assistants on the staff last year. So that's why I know a lot about Charles Lee. Will Weaver, same thing. I did my research. I'm not going to guess on what Chauncey can do because we don't know. And Neil Walshay, he should, I, I think he has to be on the hottest seat ever. And if he does one thing wrong, he should be fired. He should be fired with Terry Sots, but that's not going to happen. Chauncey Billups better be as great as what I think Charles Lee can be or Neil Shea is never going to work in sports again. This is last chance to get any positive buzz. So he I mean, better hope that Chauncey is a, a is a teacher because I th- Ant needs to be taught. Nasir needs to be taught. Yusuf Nurkic needs to be taught. But I bet he better be ready to run with Dame and CJ and Norm and Robert Covington and Mello. Like those guys don't need to be taught the game. So he better be a, a mix of everything in one. I mean, back to Olshay though, if, if you are 29 other governors and you're looking for a president of basketball operations he's billy king right now dog there's there's no one that is touching neil o'shea with a hundred foot pole um you just look at how he conducts himself in press conferences even when terry stotts was fired throwing him under the bus arrogance off the charts how he handled the Chauncey Billups hiring, having a, a clear signal to not answer question, legitimate questions from both Jason Quick and Sean Hyken, uh, lying about the investigation, who they hired to do the investigation, cutting ties with people that did that investigation because of who they hired to do said investigation. Doesn't have a great track record lately for trades or drafts. Like, the last great move was supposedly use of Nurkic in a, in a pick for Plumley, but Nurk's kind of been in the tank and that pick we used was half of Zach Collins. So how can, how can David Griffin trust him? How, how, how can you trust that the, the trade package has been rumored today on Twitter that I knew about four weeks ago? How is that shit? How can you as David Griffin trust Neil Shea to, a, be there long enough to make the trade or that he's going to just change his mind when shit's agreed to. Like there, there's just not that level of trust because Neil O'Shea has burnt all of the bridges that trust would connect to, bro. Well, I think Portland is at an incredible, incredibly bad state, like beyond rock in a hard place when it comes to, to Jody Allen Neil O'Shea and Damian Lillard. Like I'm a firm believer of where there's smoke, there's fire. I know Damian refuted those trade request reports that Henry Abbott put out there last Friday, but there's something there. Um, It's also difficult because the draft is in eight days. Free agency is in 10 and Portland doesn't know who is Neil O'Shea, are, are you really going to trust him to make decisions that will affect the franchise for the next five to seven years? 
that that's a scary thought if you're a fan of this franchise because is he going to go in there guns ablazing and doing whatever it takes to get Dame and then Dame being like, nah, that's not good enough, but you've already mortgaged so much of your future. Even more or, so of your future. It just it feels like Portland needs to, and this is to Jody Allen, shit or get off the fucking pot because the longer this relationship with Olshay and Lillard lays in limbo, the worse off all parties are for it. We have limited resources as it is, so <clears throat> having Neil O'Shea, if he is your guy, you still have him with one hand b- tied behind his back with a lot of the decision making he's made. We're at a we're at a supreme disadvantage when it comes to team building because of the decisions that Neil O'Shea has made in the past. We can't get the full MLE to give Alec Burks or what he Noel. Yeah, or who who did you say? Nerlens Noel. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like you you can't give them, you're getting the taxpayer. So we're putting it ourselves at a supreme disadvantage by the decisions that he's made in the past. And he apparently, as of right now, July 21st, he's going to make the decisions for the next year. And you know, GMs smell blood in the water. They've seen this public discourse between Neil Olshay saying, oh, the roster's fine. The roster's I mean, not the archived. reason. They can Dean, watch it at the leisure. Dame just said, no, I think the roster needs to be better. It's not at a championship caliber. So Neil's like, oh, well, I have to make Dame happy. What trades can I dial up? You know that every single GM, all 29 of them, are salivating at the thought of Neil O'Shea ringing up because they are going to have him hands tied behind his back and they're going to be able to pick and choose whatever assets they want. It's going to be so hard for him to pull off a deal that's favorable for the trailblazers because GMs know how desperate he has to be right now. The only hope for getting fair trade value right now is that there's a bidding war. That's the only way that there's going to be a fair value trade with where the blazers are in terms of leverage. One thing that taking a step back in my fandom being more detached, it's made me much more objective, uh, rightfully so, uh, about the team. And as you mentioned, Sage, what assets do the Blazers have? And so I think this is an interesting topic. Clearly, what do you do with with Damian Lillard? You've got fans that say, whatever it takes, let's win with Dame now. You've got other fans that are like, his value is probably out of its peak right now. Maybe it's time to just tear it down and do a complete overhaul. But I don't know if you can even achieve the former. I don't know if you can build a contender with the roster as it is. Does CJ have a lot of value as a as a undersized two guard making max money? I I I don't know. And he's old. Uh, Yusuf Nurkic. I I mean I'm sorry. This isn't 2019 pre pre injury. Like he has not consistently put up numbers. He's a health risk. He has motivation questions when it comes to being on the court. Um, can't finish around the rim. He does have a defensive impact. But again, I, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think you're going to have teams beating down the door to get uh, Yusuf Nurkic, who is represented by Clutch, on the last year of his contract. Like, yeah, we want that guy. Like, I, I just – I don't think Portland's going to get fair – I just don't think the value is there. Like, Blazer fans inherently have – a, a, a gravitas, a pull to CJ and Nurk and Dane because that that that's been our big three for the past five seasons. 
I, I don't think, I think CJ probably has higher value than Blazer fans think. I think Nurk's value is probably lower, if I'm being completely honest. And I also don't think we have a lot of other pieces. Covington's probably the only other piece that, that teams would want to trade for. Like Ant's going into his, his fourth year. Um, you got him. Yeah, I mean, Nas, as much as I love him, really hasn't shown too much to have a lot of you know trade value. We don't have our pick this year. Uh, we're up a paddle. I mean, we're up a shit creek without a paddle right now. And if if Norm Powell decides to sign elsewhere, it's a wrap. There is absolutely no way that you can build around Dame and trade assets and still have enough left in, in the tank. Like it's, it's just not going to happen. So if, if Norm, Norm is the biggest domino in probably recent Blazer history, because if he leaves, there's not enough left in the cupboard to use your assets to go get Dame help. I think the only way that it happens is if Nasir and Ant take a humongous step forward. I mean, you're talking almost an all-star level. Yeah, yeah, like Mikael Bridges. Step. Like 99th percentile step. It's it's not a very likely step, but if they, if, if Nasir ends up being, I don't want to say like Jason Tatum level, he has to be a wing that can play make. <laughs> like if that, if Nasir turns into that, Oh, then, then we have options, but that's a 99. That's like, that's like <laughs> Giannis. Like that's like a step like, what Giannis took, and that's like the, the ninety nine point nine percent out like outcome. Like it, it is Norman Powell is going to be such an important factor for this team, and he he sees the shit that's going on. Like he, sees I don't all think of this Norm Powell out. will resign to be the starting small forward. I don't think he has any desire to be. He has to strike out with 29 other yeah, teams. I agree with that. I just don't see him being interested in being a small, small three. We've talked about the Pelicans quite a bit this episode. If the Pelicans offered him $14 million a year to be the starting two, that's a much better fit. He's got to strike out with a lot of teams. And I don't think he's going to strike out because He's a talented player that's in his prime. He's going to help raise the ceiling of a competitive team. I, I hope, as a as a selfish Blazer fan, I hope to God we re-sign him because it gives us talent and flexibility. But if he pieces out, whew, we we need we need assets. <laughs> I'm at the point where I'm treating this season like a tanking season where it's like, I want to see my, my favorite players do well, but we might need to rack up some L's to make sure we're doing good in the long run. And what I mean by that is I, I honestly, honest to God, do not believe this franchise is going to succeed with Neil O'Shea making any sort of decisions within the organization. Like, what is it going to take to get some new eyes? Yeah, it's just so much drama and sunk cost related to Neil O'Shea. I, I just don't see those things working in harmony that allow Portland to win. And at, at, what, at what point will it 
it, it take for Jody Allen to, to sell the team or to at least fire Neil Olshay so we can get we we need the Blazers need some ounce of front office leadership in, in the worst possible manner and it might be short-term pain to to lose this year maybe lose Lillard this this offseason or next offseason but it, it's gonna get much worse if we continue to let Neil Olshay leech at the fandom at this organization and he's just he just needs to go um, I, I don't think there's any other way to to to, to put it. So um, you said it. I think he's on the hottest of hot seats. There have been reports that he may survive it. He may not survive it. I don't know. But what I do know is this uncertainty is is killing a lot of the soul. I think of the fan base, a lot of the soul of the organization. I know it's going to linger like a motherfucker around the team. So why wouldn't you remove that distraction? But that's just me. I'm trying to be you know, uh, uh, objective, but Sage, what are your thoughts on, on Dane? Um, would you, what, how would you approach it if you were the general manager and how would you approach it if, if you know, Neil Olshay is going to be the general manager? I don't want to like, if he is willing to be committed to this organization, I, I don't know if I'm there yet to just be like, if he's committed, I'm committed to him. I, I don't want to trade him. I really don't. Like, it might be selfish because talking about his greatness for five years has been a weekly thing for me, but I'm not ready to trade Damian Lillard yet. I know that we, we had a big discussion about how improving the team is going to be really, really difficult, but I don't know if I'm ready to get rid of a franchise icon and the best basketball player we've ever had in the, in this franchise. And I get it. Like Brandon Ingram, uh, Eric Bledsoe, four picks, and then maybe like a guard Kyra Lewis is attractive. But right now when I, when I see fans like wanting to rebuild, it's like, damn, I don't know if I personally am ready to uh, deal with that. If he says, I want to get traded. Then I am all of this goes away. And I'm like, all right, I'm steady. I'm ready to deal with him being on another team. But until that happens, I, I, I personally am not ready to uh, see him leave. And I, I don't know. I think I don't, I don't, I personally don't trust Neil Shea at all right now. So he might be talking with, with, with the GM about a trade now, but I I think that it, everything is going to be the same coming into the year, and then shit explodes in the most embarrassing way possible in the middle of the season. I hate the fact that Neil O'Shea makes this decision, either or, whether it's imp- trying to improve the team or leading a, a rebuild. I think Portland's damned if they do, damned if they don't. So, as you said, I, w- I would listen to Damon and see what what does he want to do. I don't want to be um, premature on trading the best player in franchise history. But that that's usually when you sell high, though. Like, mm-hmm. I would argue this is – there is no better time to trade Damian Lillard. He's got – he's under, under contract through 2025. He just turned 31. So that's where you can still – get away with you know getting a godfather package once you yeah, get getting I, getting the pelicans war chest yeah so 
I just don't know how this team, like, I don't know if, how it gets better either. I don't know how it gets better. And I was the thing that is so frustrating, Sage, is I, I was, you know, I think just doing some chores around the house this morning. And I was, I was thinking, I was like, hey, I really wanted Jay Crowder in the offseason as our mid level exception. He would have been amazing. Instead, we got Derek Jones, and instead we traded two first-round picks and Trevor Reese's contract for Robert Covington. I'd argue Covington's, Covington and Jay Crowder spot the difference because it's pretty fucking close to me. And we could have taken Sadiq Bey, who could have been – who's already producing. I mean, that draft was so good. We'd have ammunition for this draft as well. We could have kept Trevor. We could have traded him as well. Like, just even that one minuscule move that was clear as day a lot of fans were saying Jay Crowder be great everywhere he goes. He seems to get his teams above the, above the hump and Neil O'Shea fucked it up. His big move was Covington for two picks and not in hindsight, not a good move given the a huge deficit. It, a huge, like when at the time, great. We're like, yes. Okay. We think this team can compete on paper. It looks good. It didn't come together. And that, that, that is a risk that, that Neil took, but you also you also should be judged in hindsight whether a trade was was good or not and just not given the circumstances and right now i would say the houston rockets got the better end of, of that bargain and covington is also going to be a free agent after the end of this next season so are you going to be are you going to feel that sunk cost pressure to sign him to a big deal when he's on the other side of 30 uh don't get me wrong i, I liked roco uh, i was at times underwhelmed but I think asking him to fix all of our problems defensively was always um, way too much of, of an ever request. But you look at the Blazers and it just seems like whatever decision they do, it's kind of like there's five reasons not to do that. Or it just feels like they're damned if they, like I said, they're damned if they do damned if they don't. I, I, again, I think it starts if, if it were up to me, and you could get a new GM. I my first inclination would be to work with Dame and say, okay, look, who would you pair well with? Like I know you want Draymond. Draymond's not coming. Golden State's gearing up. They're, they're going for a run. Try to really swing for the fences. You know, do do what the Raptors did, getting Kawhi Leonard. Do what the Milwaukee Bucks did, getting Drew Holiday. Clearly going for it and not Robert Covington going for it, but going for it, whether it's a first team offensive or defensive player, you kind of have to shoot your shot. And Portland has not even came close to doing so. Um, that would be my, my first order of preference. And then you can kind of retool the roster from there. Um, but if, if that's not the case, I, I, I I'd be real with Dame. Like this is, this is probably the squad you're going to have. What what do you want to do? Because, like I said, right now it's it's probably the best. You, you're going to get the best. Teams feel like it's open. I mean, the NBA hasn't been this open since KD and and Clay, you know, Achilles and, and ACL. It's been it's I mean, wide shit. open. Think about teams are going to go for it. So think about the Western Conference. Booker's going to be play extended games. Kawhi's not going to return healthy. There's issues in Utah. With with the players, there's injuries. What if we could make the move? It, it it's kind of a perfect time to make the move. We just don't have the assets to make the move at all. 
And then to play devil's advocate, to play devil's advocate, you've got Memphis only getting better. You've got New Orleans only getting better. You've got Luca. Luca's not going nowhere. Luca's only getting Golden States. Ooh, they are going to retool. They've got Wiseman and two lottery picks to add another vet. Dre, Steph, and Clay, they're they're going to be a force. You've got the Lakers, who you know they're pissed off right now. And any team with a healthy AD and LeBron's gonna be out there. And let's just not think of the West. Brooklyn, healthy Brooklyn probably runs through everybody. So a healthy Brooklyn would have won the chip this year. So yes, it is open, but it's also not. So it's Portland really has to pick a lane. And God damn it, Sage, we've been talking about this for years. Pick a path. Don't half-ass it. But, you know, if it was up to Neil, he would half-ass it because... That's, that's uh, up, what he does. Yeah. Up, up until Dame saying the roster was a problem, Neil Wolshe was just going to run it back. He was going to re-sign Norman Powell and run it back. Because that's... So, that's what, it seems like you're about the full rebuild. So do you think there's going to be there's going to be a Damian Lillard trade on draft day? No, I think that's too soon. Yes. It, it's difficult, right? Because when you're trading a player like Lillard, you're not going to send him to Detroit. You're not going to send him to Houston. And I think those, you, you want a number one pick if you're trading into this draft. Okay. The Golden State Warriors are really the only team where their package is based around lottery talent. And that's the seven and 14 pick. I, I think if Dame gets traded, it's probably closer to training camp. It's probably like the Scotty Pippen trade when Portland acquired him in, so I think it was like in October of 99. Like I, I think there are still a lot of moving parts right now. I think it's still pretty messy. I, I do think that Milwaukee winning the championship probably gave Dame a little bit more of a boost to stay in Portland and try and do it, whether that's viable. Well, you see Giannis say he could have left, but that's. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, Dame and Giannis are kind of cut from the same cloth. So I would assume Dame gives it one more try, but th- I think that's in theory, it's like, it, it's, it's a compromise. Like I'm going to give it one good try. The fans are going to be happy. Sponsors are going to be happy. We all get to watch Damian Lillard for one more year, but I, I just don't think a year is what the Blazers need. I, I think rebuilds, like we don't have the assets that the 2007 Celtics had when they went out and they got Kevin Garnett and, and Ray Allen. Like it's if Portland were to ever win with Dame, it would be more of what James Jones did with the Phoenix Suns. Whether you're looking at trading for Mikhail Bridges and then you're going to trade for Chris Paul and you're going to add, you know, Jay Crowder and you're going to take Cam Johnson and get Dario Saric in that trade and just, you know, move by move by move over the span of three off seasons. I, I we, we've discussed that Portland does not have the assets to say, okay, give us, give us Kawhi Leonard, you know, let, let, let's go out and get that. Let, that's, that's not realistic. So you know, again, being detached and removing a lot of emotion from decision-making, just as what Tara said, she's like, yeah, now that I'm a little detached, I'm all about let's, let's trade player, you know, let's, let's see all the player movement. Um, that's kind of where I'm at now. And I, I, objectively, I don't see the Blazers having enough in 
in the tank. Like there's just, it, it's, it's not there. So if I'm looking at it just as a, an unbiased fan, I think long-term getting a Godfather package for Dame is the best move forward. But the caveat is I don't want fucking Neil Shane making that trade. So, but, but I don't want Neil Shane mortgaging the future either. So that's just, I'm just kind of watching as a, you know, from the sidelines, I, I'm not getting too high, not getting too low. Like, Clearly, they're going to do whatever the fuck they want. They've made that abundantly clear. So I'm just going to have fun talking to you about the decisions and kind of going about my my own business. So that Godfather package, if it doesn't happen, I think a very interesting thing will be during the draft, which is in eight days, the teams that can afford to do a Godfather package I think they trade their first round picks and get multiples back in the future. Because if you think about the draft, uh, let's talk about last year's. Does Emmanuel quickly, because I think he's a pretty good rookie, is his does he have more value than two first round picks in the future? Because as soon as that player's drafted, that value goes down quite a bit because you know it's it's like a new it's a new car. Exactly. Once so, they're driven off the lot, the value goes down. Um, so is Moses Moody more valuable in the draft? Like, I, I think he's worth the 10th pick. Is he more valuable? Or is it if the Pelicans traded back and got two first-round picks next year, what's more valuable? The value is in the unknown. Yep. So let's say we're recording on July 21st. The number 10 pick has so much more value than August 1st when, let's say, Moses Moody was taken with that 10th pick. Yep. It, it, for whatever reason, there when you're trading for a draft pick, you're, you're trading for your own scouting team to go do your own research. Mm-hmm. You're trading for that. It's almost like you're opening a pack of cards and you're like, oh, I hope I can pull something. Like you you're making you the whole mellow ball rookie. You're making that pick, you know. Th- this is this is on you. Like, there's just some ownership in terms of like, you know, when you really work really hard and you put in all the effort and all, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears, and you come to see it to come to fruition. I mean, I think we're kind of seeing that with Dame right now. Like, Portland put a lot of scouting into him, and he's just kind of taken it and ran with it. And like, he's a homegrown talent. That's what it is when you have that traffic. You get the ability to have your own homegrown for talent seven, for seven years. Unless, unless Neil O'Shea loved Kyra Lewis, he isn't that valuable. Yeah, but when you just trade for a name, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, he, he's, he's a rookie now. Cool. But then should, for, for whatever reason, and you can ask anybody, the unknown of a draft pick will always carry much more weight than, than a prospect, unless mm-hmm. it's a unless generational prospect. Yeah, unless they're good. Like Halliburton, I think, has more valuable now than he did when he was the king's pick. But even then, he, he has a pretty bad injury now. True. But like Kyra Lewis, I like him. I think he can be a starting point guard in the league. The 10th pick in a future draft is way more valuable than Kyra Lewis or most potential players, the players that mm-hmm. need years to develop, those will always have less value than a generational talent or somebody maybe ready to play right now in terms of draft position mm-hmm. and it, Sage. It, it, it's, it, it's going to be a weird, weird off season, bro. <laughs> oh, it, it, it already is incredibly weird, but 
Uh, before we keep going, let's take a quick commercial break from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Classic Court Tiles. And for our listeners, Classic Court Tiles is offering 22% off of any Blazer items in honor of Clyde the Glide Drexler. Uh, new items are being currently added to the store. Sage will have the link below. The code to use, Holy Backboard 22 all one word, the number 22 at the end of that. Once again, that is Holy Backboard 22. That offer is good through the 1st of August. So you all have 10 days to go scoop it out and, and see what's there. I ordered some for my parents for Christmas. I got a set for myself that's in my blazer room right now. Uh, really cool idea, really practical especially if you have it in your sports room like I do. Uh, you obviously want to have your drinks and you got your coaster. So uh, cool designs. Give it a check. 22% off. Again, that code is HOLYBACKBOARD22. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Holy Backboard podcast. Dustin and Sage here. Sage, quick bit of housekeeping. Um, some news that has came out, um, Zach Collins, unfortunately refractured that foot yet again. Uh, I believe Jason quick reported that the Blazers will not tender him the qualifying offer, making him a unrestricted free agent. What do you think happens with Zach? Big men with feet injuries is a terrifying proposition, man. You can only hope that recovery goes well and that these injury issues are far behind him. I hope that when he is recovered, someone will give him a prove it deal and then he can be a NBA player. But right now he has to be focused on recovering again. And that has to be absolutely brutal because the last few years have been dedicated to that thing. And he has another year to go. I mean, he had all the potential in the world to be a uh, very good defender. And it just hasn't, it just hasn't happened for him. And it is, unbelievably sad for him because he's been working he worked really hard i think that his iq defensively is just so top notch so i think he will get a chance i just don't think it's going to be an a in a blazers uniform yeah i mean we saw the impact he was starting to make in that 2019 series against denver you can say the shoulder injury was a bit of a fluke and kind of kind of chalked that up and that happened the third game of the season against dallas in the 2019-2020 season, but what really concerned me about Zach and his ability to stay healthy long-term was in the bubble. Uh, I think it was against Memphis, and it was reported that he had like a, an ankle injury and nobody could figure out where it happened on video, how long he was going to be out, and then it was, oh, he, he's hurt long-term, and then he re-injured it, and then that became a season-long injury, and then now he fractures that foot it's just now unfortunately he is he's injury prone and and it's you know no label that any player wants to hear that's just kind of the 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 facts of of the matter and you like I said you feel terrible for Zach because his career is essentially derailed I I don't know with a foot fracture he's going to want to be very cautious and slow mm -hmm. in, in recovery to make sure that thing is really healed up. I don't think he'll play at all next season. No, That's my either. prediction. 
I don't think he's going to get signed. Uh, why would a team waste a roster spot on a player who's not going to be there? And I, I think it, even if you sign a minimum deal, you're not going to get bird rights. So unless somebody really believes in Zach that they give him a taxpayer's mid-level just to get, I don't think, I don't know how. Yeah. I, I think if he can play, he's going to get one of those Kyrie Thomas deals. Yep. Maybe maybe he's like a TJ Leaf where he comes back on a ten day contract or something like he's he's gonna have to yes to prove come, that he can stay healthy. But he's I come back from the bottom. Mm-hmm. I, I really thought that he as a defender could have been special. So hopefully, a GM can see that and be like, okay, someone with his potential defensively is extremely rare, and with how the game is going, if he could be healthy, he could be a very usable player. In, in in 2022 ball like what he can do if healthy if you turned injuries off his potential is really high different world different dimension he could have been our starting center just not in this one so i think that probably is a big that's i mean that news got lost in the the fiasco that was neil olshay but i think is that collins was still part of portland's long-term plans especially with mobile bigs being able to to move around defensively. Those are at a premium. Portland was going to have one. And now you kind of have to go back to the drawing board. A um, lot of decisions coming up. Uh, we haven't quite heard from Derek Jones Jr. whether he is going to opt in or opt out. Um, I'm leaning towards him opting in. I, I don't see another team offering him 9 to $10 million next season and well, beyond. What do you think about that, Sage? There's a lot of safety in $9 million. $9 million buys you a lot of happiness forever. Mm-hmm. And, and generational wealth. I, I think he stays another year. Hopefully, Chauncey Billups can utilize him more than, than uh, Terry Stotts. I think that he could be worth his contract if there's a coach that is creative enough to utilize him. It's just about the scheme fit. He wasn't a scheme fit for the Trailblazers under Terry Stotts. If we can have a coach that can draw plays up for him to be his his best, he can be worth the $9 million that we're spending on him. I absolutely believe that. It's just the coach has to believe in him enough, and Terry Stotts obviously didn't. I think Derek also has to develop a consistent jump shot. One thing I, I noticed, especially in the finals, you had Phoenix, you had Milwaukee, Damn near every fucking player was a two-way player. They could make you pay with an outside shot. They could slash. They could defend. I mean, there was switching on you know every play. And even Pat Connaughton did as pretty damn good job on Devin Booker. And I wouldn't call Pat Connaughton a defensive stalwart by any means, but he was good enough to be on the court because he could shoot the basketball. Like Derek has to be able to add some remnants uh, of an outside jump shot. And I think he's got to be a little bit more quick in terms of his release. He's a little slow, a little flat footed. I don't know if that's going to happen. It's, it's takes a lot of work and repetition. PJ Tucker's like a, like the, the success story that you want to talk about from a non-shooter becoming a shooter. But guess what? PJ Tucker in game six of the NBA finals took one shot in 36 fucking minutes. And you know why I know that? I had him on my DFS roster. Well, I was very, very well aware of PJ Tucker 
And PJ Tucker was also out there hounding every Phoenix Suns player. And that doesn't help me make money. But um, so I know we uh, rave about. I I know we rave about, or we're we're hoping to rave about DJ on defense. I don't think he made the impact defensively. So he he needs to elevate. Like I I know we both agree that Terry Stotts didn't utilize him, and the players didn't utilize him to his strengths as well. But I think DJ needs to elevate his play as well if he wants a second contract. Not even just with Portland, but but elsewhere because. You, you like I said, you see in the finals if you can do if you can play two ways, you're going to be on the floor. And those two teams were littered with two way players, and it's it's no surprise why they were fighting it out till the end. I think that playoff like that deep in playoffs is a different type of basketball. First round blazer like first round basketball is so much different than NBA finals. So with in first round basketball i think that we have plenty of guys that deserve and can play in those times but in game six of the finals how many players on this current roster would be able to play rotation minutes i mean dame for sure if you would have asked me before before the playoffs i would have said cj but cj had just an abysmal nightmare but of he, a series. i think that he is a playoff player he he has shown in the past that he is a playoff player yes who else? I think Norm and Robert could. I think Yusuf could get played off the court in certain matchups. I think Melo I would get I, played off the court in certain I, matchups. And then I don't think any other player on the team is would be getting PJ Tucker minutes in the in the NBA playoffs. Yeah. So that's what four of our guys and one of them I had to be talked into, and that yeah. was the one that was amazing two years ago, but just. Yeah, it, we have to get better talent. <laughs> There's such a difference between rotate, like round one playoffs and finals playoffs. Like round one playoffs, Yusuf would be in there, and round one playoffs, Ronda Hollis Jefferson could get run in the most important leverage spots. You aren't playing Ronda Hollis Jefferson. You aren't probably going to play Yusuf Nurkic unless the light the the mat the matchup is perfect. We we have a flawed roster. It was good, and I would. It's just flawed in many different ways. It's We're good on paper. It, for whatever reason, they they didn't come together. We we I, were I, I don't. Rockets with James Harden, Chris Paul, where it's we're playing a variance game. When we're hitting, we're gonna win the game. But when we don't. Remember Golden State versus Houston when they continued to miss and take those same shots? What did we do last year? <laughs> it's the same shit. So, so I have a question for you. What's up? And I'll answer it as well. Let's say we're moving forward with Dame on the roster. Who are three Blazers that you think absolutely have to get traded? And who are the archetypes and some examples of who you would surround Damian Lillard with? And this is assuming that Norman Powell resigns. So you have your backcourt of Lillard and Powell. Give me three players that should move to make the roster fit and be more balanced and kind of CJ Nurk. Those archetypes should be they, they acquire. CJ Nurk and someone else who has value. <laughs> um, 
I think the archetype is a wing that can dribble and playmake and slash. So I want a guy that can get into the rim and create easy opportunities. Um, I need a big that can get rebounds and be mobile enough to not be a complete disaster defensively. And then I really would like to keep Robert Covington at all, if at all possible. He and Norman Powell fit what we need for a team to surround Damian Lillard. I think those two with their mentalities and how they know themselves would be perfect players to have surrounding Damian Lillard. It's just that a lot of other things are flawed and we might have to trade Robert Covington to get that, that special uh, playmaking slasher, small forward archetype. I mean, I think you, you hit it, CJ. Uh, I think it's it's time to to break that that duo up. It, the too similar, too many tough shots being taken. There's a reason they rarely ever went off simultaneously. It was always one or the other. Um, you think Perkich. Ben Simmons is that player that I described with the playmaking slasher small forward archetype? That's who I would go after. I that would be the the that would be the realistic. Now, if you have to put oh, Covington, gone, if that yeah, if you have to put Covington in that deal, I do it. I think anytime you can get a potential defensive player of the year, and, and we saw Milwaukee had Drew Holiday, and I, I tweeted out he should have won defensive player of the year. If you can shut down players on the perimeter, you can switch and guard three to four positions. You're essentially he essentially went and took Devin Booker out of the game, took Chris Paul out of the game. Like, whatever player he was guarding, Phoenix went elsewhere. He was a lockdown corner. You have to have a lockdown corner in basketball. And Ben Simmons needs a a, a shift in scenery more than any player in in the NBA. I would go out and get Simmons. I would love if it would just cost CJ. I would add in Covington. I'm that big of a believer. I I would, too. I'm that big of a believer in Ben Simmons. To your point about Nurkic, I think Nurk needs to get moved at, at all costs. Um, I just don't see a way that we can properly space the basketball court with Ben Simmons and Yusuf. I just don't trust Yusuf Nurkic to play consistent basketball. So that's so, not a knock on Nurk. I, I think he does he does so many great things for his community. I think he's beloved in, in the locker room, but between the the injury concerns, he has a hard time having full healthy seasons, which is a big deal. Availability is so underappreciated and underrated when you're determining the value of a player. But also, if you're going to use Nurk as a decision maker, he turns the ball over too many times. If you're going to use Nurk in the pick and roll, which Dame thrives in, he doesn't finish enough. So along with the spacing that that would cause, uh, I, I would move Nurk. I think in an ideal world, you get Miles Turner. I don't think that happens. We'd have to add a lot. I actually, he's not the outside threat. I like the player we traded Nurk for. I like Mason, Mason Plumley. He is mobile. He attacks the offensive glass. He can catch lobs. He finishes around the rim. He is a good decision maker. Mason Plumley doesn't get nearly enough credit for that 15-16 season. Yes, Dame and Terry and CJ were fantastic. But Plumley, especially in that first round series against the Clippers, was such an elite decision maker at the top of the key 
that you could trust him to run offense through. Um, so that's the type of big that, that I would look at. But do we need that big if we have Ben Simmons? Because Ben Simmons would do all of that. I'm just looking at realistic options. Like I, you're not going to go like out it, and get – like plan A, we get Ben Simmons. Then I don't think we need the decision-making center because yeah, but Plumlee can ben also be a lob finisher, and he's going to be able to hold his own defensively. So that's like, if we got Ben Simmons, then I wouldn't want Mace to be the the, uh, the in the paint as well. Like I would be the a different archetype would be more preferred. Like a guy that can space. Well, yeah, I agree, but it, it can't be Nurk because I don't want Nurk shooting. No, well, Nurk either. can't either. So it'd be like. Aaron Baines or some shit. He's he washed. Well, and he's cheap. Like, you dog, we got to think about it. Dame and uh, Ben Simmons. We got to take some, we got to take some less than perfect archetypal players. Baines is going to be cheap. And last but not least, we need a backup point guard. There, There's just no ands or buts about it you need a backup point guard and i i kept thinking i was like there's no way that that seth curry was the difference maker between the 2019 team and the 2021 team they are pretty similar but seth curry actually mattered a hell of a lot that season especially when he got in that group he's a smart defender a knockdown shooter he could handle the ball um he could guard the one or the two Portland needs to find another Seth Curry and we, the, the ant experiment at the one, like he's a two, he is a two guard who loves to shoot the basketball. So if we traded Robert Covington and uh, CJ McCollum for Ben Simmons, wouldn't we get one of those? We would, you, you would imagine that we have to get something else from Philadelphia. Maybe we can, I think Philadelphia did a really good job in drafting last year. I think Philly's, that a, Philly's got a nice, nice asset list. I, I shit like you know I love Tyrese Maxey, but Isaiah Joe kind of fits that description that you said. He kind. I would want somebody more, more veteran. You need so if you're going to go all in, you need to start finding some veterans that are that are that are battle battle tested. Um, you know we have enough young players, unproven players like. The reason it worked for the Blazers the last time they went all in in 2000 was because Steve Smith had been to the conference finals. Pippen had won six titles. Like you shipped off, you know, J.R. Ryder, who hadn't been there yet, was maybe a little bit of a distraction. You got some, you know, I was reading Brian Grant's book, uh, Rebound. It was, it was really funny because when they brought in Detlef and Steve and Scotty, they called, they called them the suits. And, you know, Rashid and Bonzi and Damon, they were called the sweatsuits, you know, just because and just, you know, they were more laid back. They probably, you know, dressed much more casually. And then you got kind of the old heads at the, at the front of the plane. So you need some suits. You need some dudes who, uh, who have been there and we're going to hold people fucking accountable. Like, I just don't think throwing another young player in the mix is, is going to get it done if you want to win the game. You know who has shown, re- shown off? some really good point guard skills in the G league. Our good boy, Jared Jack. If you've been watching uh, any tape on Kuminga or Jalen green, you see who's running point guard on that team. It's Jared Jack. And they wouldn't have been anywhere as good without JJ. 
So I, I, there are backup point guards out there. And Jared Jack. We lost to the backup point guard we were priming about for. for months, dog. So months. It's, yeah. it's that's why it's like it's not that hard. It's not like, it, yes, it, it's a tough job, but like at the my, end of the day, teams would have been perfect. And he was chilling in the he was chilling in Europe. And he's from Portland. Portland like, yeah. And I'm sure that I talked about Mike James sometime last year. Like it's, it, it's it, finding a backup point guard shouldn't be this hard, but it is. But uh yeah, like we we need that secondary ball handler off the bench we need we need a lot bro <laughs> we need a lot we we are a good regular season team but when it's high leverage basketball i had to fight you for four players and you also have to be objective when it comes to dame like put the emotions aside could Dame have led and maybe swap Drew Holiday for a power forward who's a great defender? But could Dame have led Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton to a championship? Like, I don't think he's on Giannis's level. Like, he is an elite player, but Giannis was special this playoffs. Too. History tells you you have to have those generational talents on your side to win chips, or you have to stack three or four really good players together. And Drew had, like, Drew had, was the highest of high variance this playoffs. He was dog shit on offense at times. Just think. Drew Holiday, when he was bad, was Ben Simmons bad on offense. He made up for it with peripheral stats. Defense. Who the hell that on this team, if they're not shooting well, is making up for it with 12 rebounds and 8 assists? No one. So that's where I also want to be, you know, honest as, as a fan and look at it through a clear lens rather than a rose-colored lens because as much as we all love Dame, appreciate him, watching him for the past nine, nine to ten years, you know, he's also going to have to take the next step as well if, if we are to be true championship contenders. And that comes with being more accountable on defense, not being a sieve, like putting up, you know, Chris Paul type of effort defensively, like be being a good defender. Like that's, that's, that's just what it takes. Like that's that I know it's a high ceiling and a high bar to set, but again, if we're, if we're being real, Dame's got to get better too. I mean, like I've been watching a lot of Jalen green, a huge swing factor for him. Does he have that Kobe type of de- defensive effort somewhere? Because if he doesn't, he's going to be Zach Levine. But if he ends up being a good defender, he could be a transcendently good player. So there's that those swing factors. And I think it'd be foolish of us not to think that how Dame improves would defense would probably be the highest on the list of high value outcomes. I would say the three things I, I, if, if the Blazers are to win a championship with, with Dame and a Ben Simmons type of move, the three things I think Dame needs to, to get us there. 
one deep defense, especially, you know, fighting over through screens. I mean, I, we, we saw a lot of lazy, frustrated defense from, from Damian Lillard this season. Two, can you score without the ball in your hands? It's like he's very ball dominant. He's easy to trap. Teams know what to do. Three, can you please throw a goddamn lob pass? Like that just get decent at it. Like I, I saw DeAndre Ayton get so many buckets because Chris well, Paul was some great ones. Yeah. Trey Young was throwing them left and right. I mean, they're just there has to be whatever the roster is. I want them to spend the entire training camp at least spending a half hour of practice on lobs in game situations. It's it's important. Like it's low Chris and Drew have made Sage. It's Chris, low hanging fruit. It's right there. Chris and Drew, two great examples of it in the finals, threw lobs at really, really high leverage moments, and they went in. Like when you run that fast break and or, or that pick and roll. And your big wins, and there's no other defense for that lob. It just is. It's a big waste. And hopefully, him running with Bam Adebayo, he sees the value in it. I think if the Blazers are going to make that big step, and they've already made the trade, and if we're going to assume it's Ben Simmons, because that's probably the most likely move, defense and shooting, I think, would be the biggest factors for me because if you have Ben Simmons you can't have Yusuf and I think you need to be able to spread the floor and good movement shooting would be really important and I think that's why Norman Powell would be a great player to have to pair with Damian Lillard because he has that ability if he makes his first one you see that he can be a movement shooter and that's rare um are have because of your new disposition about the team, ha- uh, do you think we make a move for a pick in this draft? And have you been watching any college ball? Well, college ball has been over for but, you know, film. eons. Yeah. Um, I watched Oregon basketball. I watched March Madness. Well, I haven't seen, <laughs> haven't seen any of the G League uh, prospects, uh, t- to be honest. I don't think Portland gets into the draft. Maybe a second round pick. Um, a but you know, I they, want. Are, they have so few assets that getting a, a young prospect probably isn't the right signal to, to Lillard. But it's fun, man. Oh, I, draft day is one of my favorite days of the year. Like, you know, we're going to get together, get some pizza, watch, watch the games or watch the draft and, you know, see who, you know, it's basically like four or five teams that control that whole fucking thing this year. So we're going to see probably a lot of moves. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, I can almost guarantee that the Pelicans trade that 10th pick. But yeah, if you can get, uh, I think Portland would be wise to get a second round pick. Uh, you were all over Xavier Tillman and Desmond Bain. And Bain, I believe, was either early second, second. or late first. Oh, yeah, he and, was uh, the 30th pick in the draft and then got and second team all uh, rookie. Then Zayman was a second round pick as well, who contributed and started for the Grizzlies that made the playoffs. And Don't he, front, he'd be the perfect backup center. <laughs> I'd be okay with him starting, to yeah. be to be honest with you. Like, yeah. I think he's he's got it. And second round picks, more times than not, are older, they're more tested, they're right. more mature. And they're specialists, so they're able to fit right in. They're able to fit right in and produce. That's what we need. We don't need a project. 
And that's almost why Phoenix is so smart. A lot of people clowned on them, myself included. Like, why are you passing on Jarrett Culver to trade down six or seven spots and take a 24-year-old rookie? Well, they they had a Cam Johnson was fantastic in that playoff run. He's not just a spot-up shooter. He is smart. He knows where to get to the uh, floor. He cuts uh, just with a purpose. He can catch and shoot. He really opens up the floor, and he allows Phoenix to score in so many different ways. And mm-hmm. he's going to be a key piece for that that franchise as they continue to uh, build off of this this finals run. So it's if you're looking to win now, you don't need the player who's played one year of college, one year G League. Like you can take a 24 year old rookie, like mm-hmm. or you can take a second round pick. And the the cost to get a second round pick is is pretty light. So the the risk reward is definitely in the favor of the team making that selection. David Johnson, sophomore point guard, I think is going to be a future blazer. He's uh the 64th ranked uh guy on Tankathon, but I think that Tankathon hasn't been keeping updated with shit. But uh yeah, I think if I'm going to take my swing for a a pick that we draft, I think David Johnson is going to be that guy in the second round. Just like we talked about smarts. I think that his processing speed is some of the fastest I've seen in a really long time. So I'm, I'm taking my shot here on the Hopi backboard. I want Miles McBride. <laughs> Dude, well, have you, you've seen my damn Instagram, bro. It's been Miles McBride heavy. He plays good defense, and I like that. That's all I need to know. Oh, dude, like, yeah. Miles McBride is the best point-of-attack defender in the draft and a good guy creating his own space. But I think he's going to be a first-round pick. He, uh, at the Combine, he tested really well. He has a 6'8 reach. So I think, like, Lakers or Clippers will take him. If they keep their picks. If they keep their picks. But I think Miles would be a would be a really good pick for the Blazers as well. Do we have anything else, or are we? No, uh, you know, if you're listening this far, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it's it's been a long duration between podcasts. I, I don't know what the cadence will look like this year. To, to be honest, Sage, um, probably just take it day by day. Um, it's already going to it was already going to be tough for me to watch the games prior to this offseason happening because the team is moving to Root Sports. Root Sports does not have a streaming option available. Um, right now, I was able to I have the NBC Sports app on my phone. I could pull it up on the laptop and I could stream the game. I could stream the game on my PS4 with the, the NBC Sports uh, app. Root Sports is back in the the caveman times like you you have to have cable television or satellite television and you have to watch it on that channel uh, that that just is not going to work for me and i'm not going back to cable I'm not spending you know 100 150 bucks a month that that, that was never in in the cards so you know maybe root sports becomes a streamable option then i can catch some games but if not it's probably radio and some national tv games and so if that's the case maybe we come to you a little bit more uh, spread out hopefully it's still weekly but you, you'll get me weekly you might not get dustin weekly but you get me weekly so i yeah, mean so here's I also, the deal I, my interest has to has to be in there like right now my heart's not in it i had some things i wanted to say and it was nice to 
you know, to chat with you, Sage, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, uh, how the, the off season un- unfolds. I'll make a promise and I won't delete this. You'll get me weekly. I don't know if I'm going to do the marathon podcast that I do with you, but you'll hear from me weekly on this podcast. I, I, I will guarantee it. I, we, we put in a lot of time on this. I I'm very happy to have you, but the Holy Backboard will continue to create content. And uh, I really like the fact that a person of color has created lasers content. And I ain't, I ain't going to give that shit up. I have a feeling you'll be hearing from us in the next two weeks. Thank you so much for listening. And we are out of here. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go!